When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Brought to you by North Memorial Health, where customers are treated like family. That means a big smile when you walk in the door and making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. Just like your family treats you, find your health family at northmemorial.com slash family. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Every player says that you don't want your team to draft somebody at your position. So when we talk about guys who might be traded as a result of what their teams did in the draft, my first thought is Vikings tight end Kyle Rudolph. They drafted Irv Smith early in the draft, and Rudolph has a high salary. They would save $7.625 million against the salary cap by trading him. They would eat no dead money. There are other candidates on the Vikings roster for trade, Xavier Rhodes, chief among them, but... When you look at the fact that they drafted a tight end high in the draft, it could signal the potential exit for Kyle Rudolph from a team that definitely needs the cap relief. That's Dan Graziano on ESPN. This is Purple Daily, the only place where you get Vikings talk five days a week, Monday through Friday at noon, right here on Score North on 1500, scorenorth.com, and streaming live on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch. See our beautiful faces and our perfect posture. You can get in on the show at 651. I love how Judd sits up every time I sit that. 651-646-8255. That's Judd Zelgad sitting up straight. Manny Hill, other side of the glass. I'm Rami Mack. We're going to get into what Dan Graziano was talking about right there in terms of what the next big move might be because we're still waiting for that other shoe to drop so they can officially sign these draft picks. But we'll get to that at 1220. Jeff Rieger from 97 won the ticket in Detroit. We'll start a tour around the NFC North, see how teams and other cities in this division are feeling after free agency and the draft have all wrapped up. And Chip Scoggins from the Minneapolis Star Tribune, he's going to join us at 120. I wanted to start off the show, though, Judd, asking, did they do enough for Kirk Cousins this offseason? Because that was obviously the fans' focus coming into the offseason was putting things and infrastructures around Kirk Cousins to put him in a better position to succeed this year, starting with, obviously, the offensive line, but you're never sure really with any NFL team if they see eye-to-eye with the fans in terms of what the needs are, where they need to improve. And when you have Mike Zimmer in the room, who's all defense all the time, you're really not sure if the Vikings see eye-to-eye with the fans in terms of what needs need to be addressed in an offseason. They obviously did. They go and they get Gary Kubiak to start the offseason. There wasn't a lot done in free agency because – that money went to Anthony Barr and to keep Everson Griffin Because Zim won free agency. Zim won free agency. Yeah. But then in the draft, the first four picks, yep. offensive linemen in the first and fourth with a tight end and a running back sandwiched uh, in between those guys, did they do enough for Kirk Cousins this offseason? Absolutely. Now, the question becomes, how are these guys as rookies going to fare, right? Because if they come in and struggle, that's a big problem. But I would say, given the parameters in which they were working, which is not much cap room, what cap room that they seem to have went towards bringing back guys like Barr. If you look at this draft and the fact that they went um, with offensive players for the first four picks for the first time since, I think, the 70s or the 60s, yes, they they took as big a step. Now, they are not um, immune from criticism in the sense that you could make the case that you should have let a guy like Barr walk. I mean, we, we can go back and forth on, on that because there's probably a case to be made that there's some teams that would have said, Given what we saw in 2018, 
Barr has to be allowed to walk. And if he comes back and begs to come back, you, you simply say no. So that's up for debate. But I but given where they were going into Thursday night and and the help that Cousins had to get, and the fact that this offensive line was awful in 2018, my answer is yes on that. And But it remains to be seen now how many of these four guys can step in and have the immediate impact that a veteran player might have had if you had gone out on the market and signed a center, a tackle, a guy like that. And there were a few on the market. The market wasn't flooded with offensive linemen by any means because it never is. Because usually when teams find those guys, they know the value of them and they try and lock them up before they ever hit free agency. Usually offensive linemen who hit free agency, not all the time, but usually they're guys who are a little bit older and past their prime. And that was that was the case with the majority of the free agent market when you looked at offensive linemen this offseason. It was a lot of guys who were approaching or in their early 30s and probably didn't and they have a you. lot of good football left. Yeah, in. they could for yeah, a they, few years exactly. But but this whole thing and, and this draft and what makes this such an interesting situation is this whole thing is about immediate fixes, right? Like this is not about now. After you get past probably round four, then yes, it, it's about two thousand twenty, two thousand twenty one, and beyond. I get that. But this team right now coming off a very disappointing year, is still in an extremely um, pressurized situation of win now. So we are talking about the the philosophy of everything that they've done since the, uh, since the loss uh, to the Bears to end the season. Everything revolves around what can we do to fix that right now, not what can we do to fix that in 2020. And, and ordinarily, I think this team likes to operate with, uh, well, we're trying to look, you know, 10,000-yard view, right? We're trying to look way out. They don't have that now. This whole thing revolves around one guy, Kirk Cousins, a defense that is very good but is not not necessarily young. And so the issue that they're faced with is everything they've done as far as re-signing guys, as far as uh, restructuring guys, as far as the draft, the first four rounds, everything was based on what's going to give us the best chance to uh, to come back from a disappointing 2018 and not just be good, but make a deep playoff run, Super Bowl run. I I love what they've done around Kirk Cousins this year, not just in the draft. You've you've been talking a lot about Gary Kubiak since he got to town and and the impact that he could have. And this that's the system that Kirk Cousins flourished in. In Washington, under Mike, it was Mike Shanahan's system originally that Gary Kubiak adopted and adapted, and and it went down the line and eventually ended up in Washington with Mike or Kyle Shanahan and uh, and and Kirk Cousins. But when we talk about whether or not they did enough for Kirk Cousins, we're talking about Super Bowl, right? Yes. Oh, that's exactly it. Yeah, because this, you and I. This is not. This have, is not. Let's make the playoffs. Right. You and I have been saying all off season that when when as soon as they signed Kirk Cousins to that deal, three years guaranteed, twenty nine million a year, mm-hmm. you opened a window where it was Super Bowl or bust. If they don't win a Super Bowl in this three year window, it's a failure. Right. The right. Minnesota Minnesota Vikings have failed as an organization if they don't win a Super Bowl in this this Kirk Cousins era. Did they do enough that? Now you feel good that they can win or contend for a Super Bowl? Because to me, what that comes back to ultimately, even if Kirk Cousins is improved and that offense is improved, that's good for maybe one game. That's that's the ceiling for improvement that I see on Kirk Cousins okay. in the offense. That's you you maybe added you. a win to your to your to your total for twenty nineteen with what you did for Kirk Cousins in the offense. If you're going to win the Super Bowl, if you're going to contend or be in the conversation for a Super Bowl, that defense needs to return to 2017 form. But, That's the key here, but, isn't it? The de- yeah, but, but the defense struggled, I think, through about four games. Through that Rams game, they were not good. They they started to, uh, statistically, if you go back and look, they started to fall apart in the second half against the Saints in, in that playoff game, mm-hmm. which they came back and won on that incredible play to Stephon Diggs. Then they went and played in Philly, and got embarrassed. The defense did. Then they opened the season with four consecutive games in which you said, what's going on here? So it was a six-game stretch or so. And then they got back to being pretty good. The problem was the offense couldn't score points then. You know, you go to the Patriots, you don't score points. Seattle, you don't score points. So 
I think the defense to end last year was back to being very solid. But this whole, so, so to back up now, to me, this entire conversation revolves around what the conversation was when Cousins signed, which is, is your offense now good enough? And in, in Cousins' defense slightly here, there was too much put on him. He, he was relied upon too much going into last year to be the guy. He's not the guy. He is, to state it perfectly clearly again, he was the best available free agent quarterback of, available to the Vikings last year. Okay, So they, they signed the guy that they thought was the best guy on the market, and they were probably right. That being said, he's not Brady, not Rodgers, not Wilson. So as you look at this roster now, and let's say the defense is being back to very solid, do you think this offense is good enough? Because that was that was the move in signing Cousins was, right. how can you get the offense to be good enough? But the key to this team was always that defense. So do you think now this offense with these moves is good enough to be able to score enough points for a defense that, for the most part, is going to have success against opponents? If this defense is back to 2017 form. But look and at even, even, look at after game four last year, it got it got stronger. But again. it wasn't dominant. In twenty seventeen, they were the best or second best defense in the NFL. And that's what they thought they were adding Kirk Cousins to. To me, you either have to get back to that level on defense, or you need your offense to be so good that you make up for whatever drop off there is in the defense from twenty seventeen to twenty eighteen to twenty nineteen. And Look at the guys who had who dro- who had drop offs last season on defense. First of all, Sheldon Richardson is gone, and they didn't replace him. Mm-hmm. They just didn't replace him. So that's one guy who's just gone. Everson Griffin, he had a drop off in his production. You don't tend to ha- turn the arrow around the other way and point it back up in your thirties in the NFL. Same can be said about Xavier Rhodes, who's approaching his thirties and had a drop off in his production last year. If this defense is going to return to 2017 form or make up for whatever drop-off there was from 2017 to 2018, it's going to take Anthony Barr living up to that contract. And same way we talk about Gary Kubiak and what he can do for an offense in terms of scheme and play calling, I think that you heard Mike Zimmer after Anthony Barr signed his contract say, we're going to do some really different things this year. That might be where you get a, a, an uptick in your production or a better defense from 2018 to 2019 from Mike Zimmer and play calling and scheming and doing some different things, specifically with Anthony Barr getting him after quarterbacks than we've seen in previous Mike Zimmer defenses. Got a, got a poll up on uh, the Score North Twitter uh, account. Have the Vikings done enough in the offseason to help Kirk Cousins? The three answers are definitely some, but not enough and not at all. So we'll get a sense of. How people feel. I That's think. at S K O R North. Do you agree with what I'm saying about about um, the defense and and the total picture? Let's start. When, let's start with your last point okay. because I I am in lockstep with you completely. There, Anthony Barr. They have to be more creative. They have to be now. Now, does he disappear at times on his own? I think so. So, for a guy that came back and is being paid pretty doggone well, still he has to do more himself. But. Anthony Barr needs to be used in a variety of situations in which I don't think he has been consistently previously. Griffin, I'm not as concerned about because Daniil Hunter is a very good player. That's true. And, and he's, and, and this team, this team is going to, they don't, keep in mind, they don't put a premium on sacks. They put a premium on pressure. They want to pressure. And I think they can. Uh, but I would say, just from a starting point, from a coaching standpoint, from a philosophical view of, okay, Mike, we brought him back. Now do something really smart. Barr is the linchpin here. Because I have always said, after his first year, I said what makes him so dangerous is from down to down, you don't know what he's going to do. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it became more. it's become more and more predictable at times, which is not a good thing. Uh, but I, I do feel... As if after that really rough four-game stretch, that this team defensively did start to to come back. And you know what? Keep in mind, this defensive backfield's still good. 
Rhodes had, in 2018, or I'm sorry, in 17, he was incredible. He was fantastic, yeah. Now, I know we're all ty- tired of him grabbing his hamstring or his Achilles or his or his ankle and rolling around like he's a soccer player <laughs> and running and, you know, and being helped off the field and then coming back on. Well, Zim said but himself, he, that's just Xavier being Xavier. But he's not. Do they have the spray? You know the cold spray that they always use in soccer that miraculously heals guys and they get it's, up and run off the field? They probably do. <laughs> but I, but I don't think I think he took a step backwards. But I don't think he became a bad player, and so so I do look for this defense, and it better be. I do look for this defense to be very solid. I think with Anthony Barr too, and and he's he's been a nice player, and he's been very good, and he's made what four, three, three or four Pro Bowls. Yeah, he's not even. Yeah, he's a very nice player. He needs. To kick it up a notch, and he needs to be an All Pro linebacker. He needs to be to 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 justify bringing him back at this price, considering what it meant for the rest of this team financially and the the financial pickle that they're in right now, and that they have to still have to find a way to free up cap space. He needs to be worth every single penny that they've signed, and that means he needs to be an All Pro. But how much of that? In your mind, is on him, and certainly some is. Oh, I think I think a good portion of it is on him. And how much is on how they need to use him consistently? He he needs to be by the end of this season. We need to be talking about him as a hybrid player. Mm -hmm. If we're talking about him as a as a linebacker, that does nothing for me. We need to be considering him a hybrid player. And he needs to be allowed to rush the quarterback. He got as well. Chase quarterback money. Mm-hmm. That's what he got. Amen. He, he doesn't need to be Khalil Mack, but he needs to be fairly close to that. I think. Yeah, that style of player, not that mm-hmm. level of player, that, that, but that, that impact, style of player, that, right. that impact of yeah. a player. Yes. And I don't know how realistic it is to expect that. We haven't seen him unleashed no. in terms of. I think it's realistic. A pass rusher, ninety percent of the time. I think it's realistic. You do. I, I think it's very fair. Yes. Okay, I think it's very fair, and and if, if he can do that, and if it's and not, Daniel Hunter is on the other side, and, and Everson Griffin regains any of his form, now you're talking. If it's not realistic, then they made a massive mistake. Oh yeah, there are teams. I keep going back to this, but gentlemen, there are teams that would have had Anthony Barr out of their budget, and when he called from New York and said, "I don't want to sign with the Jets, I want to come back." That team would have said no. So if you're wrong here, it's a huge deal. It's an enormous deal. It is a you set yourself back. It well, it's not it's not the potential cousins mistake, but it's another move that if it doesn't work to perfection, is the type of thing why people are terminated. Got a tweet here from Ken. He says, hell, what more could they do? Bottom line is Cousins will always have a bad case of the yips and will be nervous as hell in the pocket. They're better off to have him either roll out on pass plays or just hand it off. But they are going. But they are going to do that. He's mm. going to roll out. I'm the, Gary Kubiak is going to have, I really believe, a scheme and a system that we're all going to say, that makes sense. Remember, remember the amount of times... When they transition to to Shermer at OC, and you start to watch games and take it for granted because you're like, oh, that makes perfect sense. Of course they're doing that. Mm-hmm. All right, then go back to OCs that try and and get cute or try and run their scheme, but, but their scheme doesn't necessarily fit the personnel. And that's when, as fans, people are banging their heads off the wall, saying, "What the hell are you doing?" That's what happened with Norv. I know, but it becomes yeah. but Shermer and with DiFilippo. Th- it's why Musgrave drove me nuts. It's why all of these now now Bevel actually at times did a very good job. Mm-hmm. But the best I've seen, I think, in the time that I've covered the Vikings starting in two thousand five, Pat Shermer's system made perfect sense. And because of that, by the end of that year, you're like, Of course they're doing this. This is what they always should do. All right, well it is, but not everybody does that. Remember when Musgrave used to have ponder rollout to his left? I don't want to talk throw. about I don't want to talk about Musgrave. <laughs> I don't want to talk about the play chart. I don't want to talk the Musgrave chart, Judd. It was like a little note card. Musky man, and, and I think it was Pelissero kept defending him at times. And he wasn't he didn't have a terrible offensive mind, but you have so many of these guys. Filippo was probably this guy. Norv, I think with Bridgewater, Norv 
it sort of worked and then it didn't after that. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, so many of these guys have their systems and their schemes and they're just going to run them. And you want to say to them, well, have you ever considered that you have personnel that doesn't fit what you're doing? So Kubiak now coming in and taking over a Cousins run team with a system that Cousins thrived in statistically and loved and, and I think has a better chance. We're going to watch starting in week one and things are going to to start to make sense. Does that mean the Cousins is going to be fantastic? I don't know. And the answer might be no. But I do believe it's going to give him a fighting chance to be successful. Yeah, that's what I'm saying is that they they did plenty to help Cousins with Kubiak, with the draft picks. Completely. They did plenty to help Cousins. But my point is, no matter how much you, you do to help improve Cousins, I see about a one-game improvement max from Kirk Cousins and the offense. If you're If you're going to gain more than one game in the regular season and beyond that put yourself legitimately in the conversation for the Super Bowl, yep. you need the defense to revert back at least close to the 2017 form, no matter how much they do for Kirk Cousins. And Cousins can't, I, I think the biggest thing, and, and Kubiak should give him a good chance not to do this, I think the biggest thing in my mind to to what you're saying about how this should work too, Cousins can't sabotage you. Mm-hmm. You can't have the Buffalo game, and I know people are like it's just one game, but well, he can't want it. You would have made the playoffs, right? And <laughs> but you can't have that game. You can't have the fumbles. You can't have uh, the the Vikings won this game, but the screen pass against the Dolphins where he mm-hmm. threw it into the what the cornerback or safety's hands, the pick six against pick New six. Orleans, right? Those things cannot happen. They can't happen. You can't allow for now. Can it happen once a season? Okay, I'll give you that, but. The consistency of the meltdowns and the fact that Cousins in in DeFilippo's system struggled mightily with the screen pass. Mm-hmm. All right, we've got to get to we've got to get to a place where where Rami's defense is allowed as much of a chance as possible to be the difference maker and factor there. Right. Right. And what that can involve is Kirk Cousins not protecting the football, standing in the pocket. And fumbling. I've seen it before, and it will sabotage you every time. The tweet, or as Manny said, the, the poll is up on Twitter. Have the Vikings done enough in the offseason to help Kirk Cousins? 121 votes in. 43% say definitely. 55% say some but not enough. And 2% say not at all. You can keep on voting. Keep the tweets coming at SKOR North if you want to get in on the show. 651-646-8255. They've made their draft picks, but how do they pay them? We'll try and figure that out right after this. It's Purple Daily on Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com. Drink the Purple Punch. It burns your insides and it makes your eyes water. Purple Daily on Score North. Score North. Every player says that you don't want your team to draft somebody at your position. So when we talk about guys who might be traded as a result of what their teams did in the draft, my first thought is Vikings tight end Kyle Rudolph. They drafted Irv Smith early in the draft, and Rudolph has a high salary. They would save $7.625 million against the salary cap by trading him. They would eat no dead money. There are other candidates on the Vikings roster for trade, Xavier Rhodes, chief among them. But when you look at the fact that they drafted a tight end high in the draft, it could signal the potential exit for Kyle Rudolph from a team that definitely needs the cap relief. That's Dan Graziano on ESPN. This is Purple Daily, the only place where you're going to get Vikings and NFL talk five days a week, Monday through Friday at noon here on am1500scorenorth.com and streaming live on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch. Find this and all our Vikings programming. Just search Score North wherever you download podcast or go get that Score North mobile app and you can subscribe to all your favorite podcasts. Give us that five-star rating. You can win stuff by doing that or listen at live.scorenorth.com. And if you have an Amazon Alexa device, just say, Alexa, open Score North. And we've been talking for much of the offseason, Judd, about what Dan Graziano was talking about there, which is that the Vikings simply don't have enough money to sign their draft picks at this point. It's It's just not there. And so... Something is going to have to happen, and I don't know about you, but when I saw the selection of Irv Smith in the second round, I thought, well, that's either the end of Kyle Rudolph or a restructured contract for Kyle Rudolph. I was in agreement with with what Dan Graziano was thinking. So I thought the same thing immediately, and I've also been going back and forth because Kyle, uh, twice in the last couple uh, 
months or last month has been adamant that he would be happy to restructure and come back. So I've been saying to myself, okay, the Vikings didn't forget to approach him about this. Like, this makes no sense. But I think I might have it. If the Vikings cut Kyle today, they owe him nothing. It's right. a great salary cap breaks. $7 million plus million back on your cap for 2019. No strings attached. But they're not doing that. But they're not. It's not like they're not going to approach him. What if they have approached him, but nothing Kyle has said would fly in the face of the Vikings saying, we'd like to restructure you and continue to have no guaranteed cash there? Because that would make him say no. Right. Like the one thing, the one thing where he would say no is, Kyle, we really want to restructure your contract and we'll give you a couple extra years and we're not going to guarantee anything. Because the enticing thing to guys in guarantee- a position like yes. Kyle Rudolph is, yeah, I'll give you some cap relief, but the trade off is you're going to give me some security and some guaranteed money down the line. Because mm-hmm. this thing makes no sense right now. Yeah. I don't the know. The Vikings aren't, well, no, but this, but, but <laughs> I don't it makes, know what's going on? but Kyle wouldn't, <laughs> Kyle wouldn't necessarily be fibbing about his, his willingness to restructure, but he's never going to tell you, well, they have approached me, but they're going to give me no guaranteed cash. But that would make him and his representatives say, absolutely not. But here's my other question. And think about this one. If I'm right, and it appears I might be, about Kubiak's influence right now with that team. All right. Zimmer, who is head coach defense, got his guy back, Barr. Like, Barr came back, and I'm sure there were people in that building saying, Mike, I don't know if we can do this. And Mike said, oh, he's coming back for cheaper. Let's do this. We got to do this. And so somebody said, okay, Rick probably, okay, we'll do it. But if Kubiak's influence is as much as we think, is Gary willingly saying... I got Irv Smith now, cut Kyle. Or or is he saying, gentlemen, hold on a second here. You're asking me to make Kirk Cousins as productive as possible. And you saw Kirk Cousins when put in a position where he wasn't as productive as possible. I need both these guys. And so consequently, the only other thing that the Vikings could do is go to guys like Linval Joseph and try and not cut them, restructure them. Mm-hmm. Because I don't want to paint this as a battle royale in Egan, but I will say that Kubiak being head coach offense creates a very interesting conundrum because he can always come back and say, guys, you're paying me a lot and you hired me and you hired me to make Kirk Cousins as good as he can be. And so if you're going to take away parts, it's going to cost you. And so that might be also what, why there's been some hang up there and some uh, deliberation and a dilemma about what to do. Because if you cut Kyle, you are cutting a tight end who could be part of a pretty good tight end uh, set with Irv Smith Jr., who would play more of the role of what? The Zach Ertz type of guy. Right. Because Kyle's good, but he's not that guy. So, Actually, the articles I was reading compared him to Jordan Reed. Okay, well, that's... They see a lot of Jordan Reed. Who was Cousins' guy. Right. But that also might be be why this thing has been uh, stuck and hung up for so long is a bit of a power struggle between two guys who are both saying, hold on a second, if you want me to be as, po- as, as successful as possible on defense, I need Barr. And then Kubiak coming back and saying, if you want Cousins to be as successful as possible on offense, he needs both those tight ends. But something has to give. Something has to give. Because they can't, they have no money. But could they be putting they even it? even sign their draft picks. But could they be putting it on Brzezinski's plate to say, "Go, okay, go back to guys like Linval Joseph and start trying to restructure them. That is the third mm-hmm. option because we've talked a lot about Rudolph and what you can do with his contract, cut him or trade him or restructure him. We've talked about guys like Xavier Rhodes and Trey Waynes on the defensive side of the football who, you well, you could cut Trey Waynes and it's a zero cap hit, zero dead money, but you're not going to do that. You'd be talking Especially about a trade. Now. Right, you'd be talking about a trade with one of those two guys, but there are some candidates on the roster, like a Linval Joseph, as, as Judd talked about, who... You could go to two or three guys and restructure them and free up. I think they need four to five million dollars to have enough money under the cap to to sign their draft picks. You could you could do it in that way and find a few guys on the roster who you restructure. You give them some guaranteed money if you're not comfortable doing that for Kyle Rudolph down the line because of his age and stage in his career. Whoever you restructure with, though, you're gonna be you're gonna the trade off again is usually. You give us some cap relief now, right. we give you some guaranteed money later. Can right. they restructure Riley Reef? I believe it would I 
they could try. I think it would be a little more difficult. Mm-hmm. But there's a few guys. I mean, you you can go to guys, but they all all want something from you. Yeah, and that's where that's where Kyle could very well be saying, "I'd be happy to do it," but what he's not going to tell us is it's going to cost them. Mm-hmm. And if the Vikings are saying, "Kyle, at your age, we'd like to restructure you and 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 cut your pay, but we don't want to guarantee cash into the future," and he would say, "Well." Okay, then why? What's the point? Right. Release me. Because mm-hmm. he's got to know, listen, the one if you are Kyle, the one thing that's sitting out there is the temptation of the Patriots. And nobody's going to say and Kyle Ru- Rudolph is not going to say what I'll say, which is if I was him, you'd be thinking to yourself, I'm really not Gronk. I'm not that guy. I know that. They should, but they don't. He's going to say to himself, "Hell, I'll take that job, Tom Brady," right? But the position Rudolph is in, where he does have some leverage, not with the Vikings per se, but we talk, we've talked about how Kirk Cousins got the contract he did. And we always say, just cause he's, now he's what, the third highest paid quarterback? Cause no, fourth. Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, and. Is Matt Ryan ahead of him now? Somebody else just signed a contract that put him okay. ahead of Kirk Cousins. I can't remember who it was, but just because he's in that echelon of pay, don't, don't assume that you're going to get that echelon of play. You know what I mean? That's Correct. that's not how the market works. Kirk Cousins was the top quarterback on the market in a given offseason, so he got the most money that a quarterback could get. That's just how this thing works. So when you have to look at other positions the same way, and Kyle Rudolph, when he hits the free agent market next year, will be one of the top tight ends on the market for whatever we think of him, for whatever he's done the last couple of years for the Minnesota Vikings, and whatever drop-off there's been there, he'll be valued in the market. And he'll he'll get, I don't want to say top dollar for tight end, but I think he has a pretty nice payday waiting for him if he either lets the Vikings cut him this offseason or he plays hardball with them and forces them to go into the season with the contract currently as it stands and then go into free agency next year. He has something to gain by by playing hardball with the Vikings right now, doesn't he? Absolutely, yeah. And and if they are if they're basically saying be a good soldier for us but you get nothing for it, I would say no. He's going to say him. no, yeah. no, and I don't blame him. Right. But there has to be there has to be an explanation for what's going on here. And perhaps that's it. The Vikings aren't dumb. They didn't forget to approach him. He is. He continues to say, "I'd be happy to restructure my contract." Okay, then why aren't you? Why? Why is that not, not happening? Something's holding it up. Clearly, he's not hearing something he likes. And and at first, I thought, well, is he just lying? But he doubled down then, so it it became odd at that point. But he wouldn't be lying if he's just not telling you the whole story, which often in sports, as we, we all know, happens. Right? No, come on. <laughs> Guys tend to. It's sports lying. It's sports. Nobody, fibs. Nobody's ever lied to us. It's sports. Judd, fibs. Come on. They're always truthful, Jed. I know. I mean, but they're all. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, so that's <laughs> so. So you've got you've got to find a way to free up enough cash to sign your picks. But after that, it sure appears that they're going to be up against that thing. Against the cap, they're not going to, because teams ordinarily like to go into training camp with some room. So if a guy gets hurt, you can sign a guy, take on a contract, you mm-hmm. can trade for somebody. But the way the way things are shaking out right now, this team is going to go into into camp up against that cap, and this all goes back to what we're talking about, which is everything that they are doing is is predicated on the belief that 2019. That this is going to be it. Like this is this is it. This isn't about building for the future. It's not about cap space. It's not about. It's not even about allowing the leeway for somebody to get hurt. It's this team can make a Super Bowl, and they have to figure out if which if is it's, really interesting. If it's going to be Kyle Rudolph or some, if whatever they're going to do, they have to figure it out before June first. That's the deadline for when you have mm-hmm. to be under the cap and have all. And if if you're going to cut Kyle Rudolph and have the zero cap hit. That has to be done before June first too. So they have a couple of months to to figure this out. But there is another shoe that's basically gonna a drop eventually. Basically a month. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's One right. Month. That's yeah. right. We're basically May first. I don't know how to uh read a calendar, guys. Here I'll I'll help you out. It's among my many it, it's on my phone right here. I'm gonna show you. Okay. April is followed by May. Hold April on. and then May? April and then May. Oh. And May first and then June first is the next month. It's just it's bizarre how it happens. 
So April, May, June, that's the order. Yes. Okay, cool. And it gets warmer, so outdoor baseball by June is beautiful. I'm going to study during the break, and then uh, after the break, we're going to start. This week, we're going around the NFC North on Purple Daily, and so we're going to try and see how teams in, in other cities in this division are feeling about their chances now that free agency, the draft is all wrapped up. We're going to start at the bottom. We have Jeff Rieger from uh, 97 won the ticket in Detroit. Not that my guy Jeff Rieger is at the bottom. The Lions are, are at the bottom. I love Jeff, and he'll join us next on Purple Daily right after this. North Memorial Health has over 400 care providers. That's right, more than 400 care providers and more than 6,000 team members that are dedicated to keeping you healthy. North Memorial Health is proud to partner with the Minnesota Vikings as they work to make Minnesota the healthiest in the league. They're more than a team at North Memorial Health. They're your family. At North Memorial Health, customers are treated like family. Your health family is more than a tagline. It's a commitment to delivering unmatched customer service. That means a big smile when you walk in the door. That means making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. It means asking, what else can we do for you? North Memorial Health will treat you like family in a good way. The people at North Memorial Health will team up with you to help you achieve your best health. So step up your health care game today and find your health family at northmemorial.com slash family. Once again, that's northmemorial.com slash family. You're listening to Purple Daily on Score North. With the eighth pick in the 2019 NFL Draft, the Detroit Lions select T.J. Hawkinson, Iowa. It's Purple Daily here on Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com. I'm Rami Makhlouf along with Judd Zolgad, Manny Hill. On the other side of the glass, we'll check in with uh, Chip Scoggins of the Minneapolis Star Tribune, get his thoughts on the Vikings draft coming up. At 120, but you heard there Roger Goodell on the four-letter network announcing the eighth pick of the Detroit Lions and joining us now to talk about that and start our tour around the NFC North this week on Purple Daily from 97-1. The ticket in Detroit is Jeff Rieger. Rieger, how you doing this afternoon, man? What's going on, guys? What's, what's up? Well, uh, we're, we, we want to talk about your Lions, and here's the thing when it comes to the Lions. After, after free agency, all of us, we sat here on this show and we went, we really like what the Lions did in free agency, but, uh, they're the Lions, and Matt Patricia is still their coach. Like, I know he's really smart, Rieger. He studied rocket science. He was a great defensive coordinator under Bill Belichick for a while, but when it comes to being a head coach, he just seems like a a bumbling oaf and and arrogant about it all at the same time between the posture thing and being late to his own meetings. Is there any faith in Matt Patricia, regardless of what they put on the field talent-wise in the draft and free agency? I mean, at least he dresses well, right, guys? <laughs> so he's that going for him. I love the wardrobe, oh, personally. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's the, it's the just-unmade-bed uh, collection. I mean, but, <laughs> yep. uh, I mean, listen, last year with the train wreck, I mean, nobody's going to dispute that. Um, from the very start of things, I mean, it was bad headline after bad headline, and you guys kind of went over some of them and then add a 6-10 and 10 record to that. And, you know, it is the Lions, so people are skeptical to begin with. Um, I, I think he's a smart coach, and I think the defense got better as the year went on, and they got Snacks Harrison, which made the defense better. Um, and then this draft, which is kind of a head-scratching draft, they got a bunch of guys, everybody defense with the exception of the pick you guys just played and T.J. Hawkinson, a bunch of big guys that hopefully play in the Matt Patricia system. Guys, it, it, it's very bizarre because, like, you can really defend the T.J. Hawkinson pick if you tried. Essentially, he's supposed to be the best tight end of our generation, right? And, and the Lions need a tight end, and Matt Stafford does, so... So I guess I get it, even though I would not pick a tight end with the eighth overall pick. I just don't think you're getting value for that. But the second pick, Jelani Tavai. Have you guys ever heard of this guy? Have no. not, no. Yeah, yeah. Well, neither did ESPN or Athlon's 
scout draft guide or even Mel Kuyper. I mean, they took a kid out of Hawaii, a big linebacker, with the second pick, the 46th overall, 43rd overall pick, and everybody in Allen Park, which is where they practice, everybody's like, who? What? <laughs> this is a guy they could have got in the fifth round. I mean, he didn't go to the combine. He was hurt. He had a, you know, a, a bar altercation, which apparently may, may or may not have been his fault. But, but this is what the Lions do. They, they draft a bunch of guys that probably they could have got in later rounds. And then after that, I mean, they went out and uh, traded up for Will Harris, who is a safety, and they have a ton of safeties, all while not addressing cornerback needs, not addressing offensive line needs, not addressing running back needs. So I don't know how much better the Lions got after this draft. What's the frustration there then, too? Because every time it seems like the Lions might be about to turn that corner, right? There's hope. There's something good going. (laughs) This seems to happen. They hire the wrong coach. Their drafts make no sense. There's got to be – I feel for fans there because they're great sports fans. But this team leads them down a path that inevitably seems to always go off a cliff. Guys, there's been one playoff win since 1957. I'm not making that up. One playoff. I know you're not. So, 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 I mean, it's the the fans, as you could imagine, they start off rabid and passionate, and then they just start laughing at the organization. Every Detroit Lions lifespan, at some point, you just laugh at the organization because that's all they are. The one thing I would say about the Quinn Patricia era that's going on right now is. They have a plan. Their plan is to be the New England Patriots Midwest. Now, it hasn't worked anywhere else, anywhere has been. I mean, Patricia or make that Belichick disciples don't work out for various reasons. But they are trying it here in Detroit. They went out, they drafted a bunch of big guys. You talked about the offseason and free agency, Trey Flowers. They overpaid for a bunch of guys in free agency to come here and bolster the defense. The offense looks like it's not going to be very good, but their plan is to win with ball control. They have a good running back, and they're going to run the ball a lot. They now will, you'll see two tight ends usually. Matt Stafford is probably now a ball manager because they don't trust him either, and they're going to try to win a bunch of games 13 to 10, and they're going to try to suffocate you with their defense. And, and will it work? We wait and see. But, I mean, if it doesn't work, I can't imagine that Patricia is going to get too much longer to prove that he's the guy here in Detroit. Did you say, maybe either. Did you say they now don't trust Stafford? Well, I mean, that, that's pretty much the mold they're going, guys. I mean, they'll say they trust them, and they do, and they're paying them $27 million bucks. But, but if you look at every move they've made offensively, it's, yes, well, they don't trust him. It's like they're devaluing his arm. So you're going to see they went out, they hired Daryl Bevel as their offensive coordinator. And as you know, Russell Wilson early on when Seattle, when Bevel was in Seattle, he did it with his legs, but he also did it with his running back's legs as well. And you didn't really see him slinging the ball around. It used to be Stafford would throw the ball 30 to 40 times a game, sling it around, maybe throw some picks, but rack up some yardage too. That's not how they're going to try to win anymore. So I've only led to believe that that, I don't know if trust is the word, but they're going to try to win offensively a different way, which is hand the ball off on first down, hand the ball off on second time or down, and hit T.J. Hawkinson on third and four, and hopefully he falls forward for a first down. Last year was Stafford's worst year of his career, and you can count at least six or seven games where Stafford was single-handedly responsible for, I don't want to say losing games, but for putting them in an awful position. So I think Patricia and Quinn saw that. He wasn't their guy to begin with. He was here from the get-go. And, yeah, I think they're going to try offense a different way, and you're going to have a $27, $28 million game manager. Talking with Jeff Rieger of 97-1, the ticket in Detroit here on Purple Daily. He's uh, kicking off our tour around the NFC North this week. Was there any talk of of them shopping Matthew Stafford then, if, if if that's how they feel about him, or do you think there would just be no interest because he has the mega quarterback contract? See, I think there's a ton of interest because the NFL, they see the arm, they see that he's he's not only – I think he's 29. So, you know, there's always a guy that thinks they can fix a quarterback, right? So I think you could give value. The problem is if you shop him this year, the dead cap hit is something obscene, like $40 bucks, hmm. And they're not ready to do that yet. So the other thing, too, is they won't draft a quarterback. So I, th- I think what they believe is we're paying this guy 
we can win despite or in spite of Matthew Stafford. And again, you know, we believe that Matt Patricia is going to come up with a game plan every week defensively to beat a team single-handedly. And I think that's what they believe. Now, I think if Stafford struggles again this year, then yeah, you probably try to trade him next year, but but they won't admit it, but I don't think they're happy with Matthew Stafford. That was one of the, the criticisms or critiques I saw of the Lions draft was that they, they didn't address quarterback. Do you think that, that that's, that's something that needed to be addressed in the draft, Rieger, or were there more pressing needs for this team? Well, there, there, it's weird because they address needs that they already had. Like, like they went out and took a safety in the third round, and they have an abundance of safety. So I thought that was a bit bizarre. They waited until the fifth round, and I can't pronounce his name, I'm sorry, to get a quarterback. Right now, they have Darius Clay. That's it. That's it. That's all they have. So they waited until the fifth round to get a cornerback when you're looking at guys like Greedy Williams, like a, a Patricia-type guy, really tall cornerback in the second round. In fact, there was, there was a trio of quarterbacks in the second round that they could have got and they really could have had, you know, dealt with a need, but instead they took a linebacker out of Hawaii that they probably could have taken in the fifth round. So I didn't expect them to take a quarterback, but, yes, I, I think eventually – you need to figure out what the post-Stafford era plan is. The one thing I would say, guys, and there's no way in heck they were going to do this, but but it, it was my dream. Dwayne Haskins fell to 15, obviously. <laughs> Dwayne Haskins, to me, would have been a guy, is a guy, I think is going to be a real good pro, real accurate, fantastic arm, can move around in the pocket. I mean, I think all of Detroit, when we saw who the Giants took and that it wasn't Dwayne Haskins, I think a lot of Lions fans are like, Go for Haskins at eight, pretty much aboard every other plan, but of course they didn't do that. So, so they got issues. I mean, they, they, TJ Lang left them, so they have offensive line issues. They plan to um, hopefully get some veteran free agencies to deal with that. They do have cap space. They have quarterback issues, but they believe Stafford's their guy, at least for now. They only have two running backs, really. And, yeah, as, as I mentioned, quarterback as well. So it's going to be interesting moving forward. They still got a lot of work to do. What's your best guess about how much Patricia learned in year one, just as far as as not just coaching, but handling people? And he, he just seems so ill-equipped in 2018. How, how much do you think he learned about what is what is necessary to be what I would call a tolerable head coach? Well, I think he learned that anybody that disagrees with him, they're no longer on the team. I think Golden Tate is one of those guys. Like, like there was a huge issue last year with guys not buying. That wasn't just, like, newspaper headlines. That was actually legitimate. Yep. There were a lot of guys that heard a lot of stories where, where the team didn't like playing for them. And, listen, I understand that your job is to play football. You do whatever the head coach says. But when you come in thinking you're Bill Belichick, yet you don't have any of the hardware that Bill Belichick has, and you're asking players to respect you like you're Belichick – I, I don't think that's going to work. So I think the Lions have spent all offseason in, in rehabbing the image of Matt Patricia. Allegedly, there was a mea culpa at some point where, maybe that season even, where he kind of went to the players and changed his attitude and was a little more caring and a little <laughs> more less demanding, I guess. And then this year, i got to believe there's going to be more of the same. But, guys, make, make no bones about it. Like, they went out and got Trey Flowers, right? Trey Flowers has only played in New England. Trey Flowers, they overpaid him, which is fine, because sometimes you got to overpay guys to come to a place like Detroit. But he's going to be like a Patricia guy in the room. Like, that, that's pretty much who he's surrounding himself with, a, a bunch of guys that are going to understand how he works. So I don't think it's more that he's figured out how to coach. Mm-hmm. I just think it's more that – he is forming this roster with a bunch of guys that he believes will play the way he wants them to play and, and go to work with the way he wants them to go to work. I mean, this is a guy that was making his team run wind sprints and OTAs. Let's not forget that. He took them outside before indoor games. That was my favorite story of the year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, guys, come on. There was, there, was, there was an outdoor game four weeks from that point. So come on. Yeah, see. He it was in Carolina. And then. Right, but that, he took them outside. The next game was a home game, and then when the media questioned questioned him about it, he prepared like a nine hundred word statement about why he decided to go outside. So, wow. if anything, he's prepared, I guess. And he's giving you guys material over there on ninety seven one the ticket. You got plenty to talk about when it comes to Matt Patricia, right? Yeah, you know what? He is the gift that keeps giving. I will say, it, it, it was one thing 
that he went after an ESPN reporter for posture when, again, Matt Patricia wears sweats and doesn't trim his beard except for in the offseason. So that was comical. But then the, uh, then the story comes that he's late to every meeting. And, I mean, add that, that again to being 6-10. and 10, this, 2018 was a train wreck, so we'll see what happens next year. But, but I believe if things go bad, and they have a very difficult start to the schedule. I mean, right off the bat, they go to Arizona. That's probably a win, I, I would assume. But after that, you know, they're playing teams like the Chiefs. They go to the Eagles. They have a very difficult first five, six games. I believe they go to Green Bay the fifth or sixth games of the season. There's a legitimate chance that they start the season two and three or one and four. And if they do, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with Matt Patricia. I was just going to ask you before we let you go, two-part prediction. Give me the Lions record and does Matt Patricia survive the season? Well, I think the Lions record is going to be seven and nine, six and ten, eight and eight tops. I just, I just don't think they have enough talent on this team. You know, they are lacking the playmakers that Bob Quinn said they were going to go out and get. So, so I'll go seven and nine, a game better than last year. And here's the thing. Matt Patricia is Bob Quinn's guy. So either Bob Quinn will get fired along with Matt Patricia or Bob Quinn will bring him back for a third year. So it's up to the Ford family what they want to do. If I were to guess, I would guess they'd both be back regardless next year. That's Jeff Rieger, 97-1 the ticket. Follow him on Twitter at Rieger1984. Always appreciate it, Rieger. Thank you, my friend. No problem, guys. Have a good one. Thanks. There he is. Joining us on Purple Daily. That's the, like you the fifth time I've done that. You Instead of hanging again, up the phone, again, up I turn off my microphone. And leave the person you, on the phone. You know what, Rami? Um, well, you know, <laughs> you just kind of sit up and just like have a little respect. For hey, I was sitting up, all right? Questions and you just kind of like, you know, give me this. But I mean, like, just, just be a little respectful. Just I'm asking just to be a little respectful in this whole process, okay? So ask me a question professionally and I'll answer it for you. Throughout that whole interview, because I'm dressed like a slob. Throughout that whole interview, I was sitting up very, very straight, talking to Jeff Rieger because I respect the process. <laughs> Do you guys realize what an opportunity the Vikings blew last year, as far as this goes? You had a coach in Green Bay get, uh, getting massages when when he was supposed to be talking to his team, mm-hmm. allegedly, and, allegedly, and you had a coach in Detroit who was late for everything, <laughs> so his players couldn't stand him. Do you realize what an opportunity the NFC North presented the Vikings? Well, now, now Chicago, I mean, Chicago is good. That's great. But two of the teams, the NFC North, two of the teams basically defaulted on the season, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then in week 17, the Bears had nothing to play for. Yes. So the NFC North basically said, be as successful as you want. Yeah. The NFC North gods <laughs> shined down on the Vikings last year and said, go get and a your playoff guy, spot. And your guy took advantage. Right. No, I mean, he took advantage, but even, yeah. Even the you're Bears, right. You're right. with Week 17 not having anything to play for, everything yeah. lined up for the Vikings to at least get a playoff spot in the mm-hmm. NFC North. Absolutely. You had two bad teams, and the division champ had nothing to play for in Week 17. One guy's getting a massage, and one guy, who knows what he's doing. Allegedly. He's Allegedly. He denies it. Imagine, it, think about this. It's a lot of pressure. <laughs> to your point, though, Rami, think about this when you look at the Vikings in 2018. Three games that could have... If any of them were different, could have meant that they were in the playoffs. You got the Bears who were playing for nothing in Week 17. Yep. You tied in Green Bay because your rookie big-legged kicker from Auburn couldn't make a kick. And then you, you lost at home. You laid an egg at home against one of the worst teams in the NFL, the Buffalo Bills. Mm-hmm. Like, if any of those games are different, you're in the playoffs. Yeah. You're talking about 10-11 wins. Yeah. If two of those games goes different. Yeah, it was right there for him last year. I got a kink right here in my neck. If you could take tomorrow, that out before I go talk to Aaron. <laughs> tomorrow at the same time, uh, we continue our tour around the NFC North. My guy, Gary Ellerson, former Packers running back from uh, the fan I can't wait for this, by the way. My former co-host, he's going to join us at 1240 tomorrow. I can't wait for him to lay down the truth about the Packers. I love Gary, and he does not hold back. I know he doesn't. We play him all the time, He's remember? pissing off Bucks fans probably as we speak because I saw him tweeting. Well, they deserved it, though, right? Well, he he apparently, and Gary always... Kind of was not sold on the Bucks even when things were going great. Like Giannis, awesome. Sure. He's just not sold on the guys around him. So he's pissing off Milwaukee, like I said, as we speak right now. People don't like the truth, do they? No, they do not. And Gary definitely delivers the truth. He'll join us tomorrow at 1240. Chip Scoggins is going to join us at 120. Right after this, we'll see how Vegas sees the NFC North and the rest of the NFL lining up. You're listening to Purple Daily on Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com.